Thank you, Pip. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Band. SRE, what a great thing. And can I just put a plug in there straight away for life groups too. There is a set of studies that goes through this series. And so if you're not in a life group and you're feeling disconnected, let me tell you right up front, there's one awesome way to feel connected. And who doesn't want to feel connected in 2020? Brothers and sisters, how should I start? It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. For those who are into music, of course, others might have totally no idea what I'm saying. Well, here we are. I'm back from a few weeks' leave. Great time away, Port Macquarie, a lovely place. I had hoped over the last few weeks that uh, I'd come back to church and restrictions would be lifted, it'd be very different, we'd be gathered and all sorts of things. Alas, 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 it is not the case. Uh, even though I still hope, because I'm a man of hope like you, I'm still hoping that somewhere, somehow, in the next week or two, some great news will be received about how we can gather. Uh, because I tell you what, as you start to look around, it is truly beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's starting to have that feel already. And I just, it was hard enough to go through Easter and this year without singing. I just can't imagine somehow we're going to land at Christmas and we still can't rejoice. That will be its own uh, issue, I suppose. 2020 has not turned out the way we had hoped. And it's not that long ago, but you know, a year ago, there's droughts and fires and all those things happening. Then all of a sudden, bang, COVID hits. Uh, there's been outbreaks and heartbreaks and all those things. Yet, let me say this directly to you as we start this series and we, as it for me, certainly as your leader, wrap up, try to wrap up the last part of Matthew's gospel, as Shane said. Be very clear that you rejoice in God for this year and for what he has given us through COVID. You might sit there and think, why are you truly mad? That could be true. Others will tell you that later on. But what I love about this year is it does give Christians the chance to live out what we believe. We actually get a wonderful chance in this season with all the things we know, with all the things uh, you've heard and have learnt over the years to actually live it out. Uh, care for others, kindness, humility, gentleness, all those things. What a wonderful gift from God. It's funny when you check history, I was looking at something during the week and in the second century in the Roman Empire, they had to go through a pandemic for 15 years. And you know if you go through history, there's lots of other things, the Black Plague and all sorts of things. People have had to put up with a lot of stuff. And what stuns me in those most difficult of times is how Christians especially put aside their own well-being, put aside their own needs and served and cared and died as a result. Uh, it's a, a wonderful thing for me to try to work out over the next few months how to end my ministry years in full-time ministry. But I'm even more excited about looking at Matthew's Gospel. Because as Shane said, we've been looking at it for quite a few years now and I felt it was right to wrap it up uh, by looking at the last, chapter of Matthew's, the last few chapters of Matthew's Gospel. I have called this series Make Our Lives Count. Make Your Life Count. And you probably if you can see the stage, there's a few clocks around me so the clock is ticking <laughs> for me. Uh, and it's always there for us as well. But it's so important that as we live our lives, and I suppose even for those who've got the HSC coming up in a few days' time, 
how we actually determine to leave a legacy for those who follow us. We are leaving a legacy, but we get a chance to shape that. I get a chance to speak into that. We get a chance to think about what really is important in church life. Uh, as I've said that, may it be that as I pray, our lives truly count for eternity. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way you deal with us so graciously. May we deal with others just as gracious and father may it be too that as we go through this particular moment in time not just for me but for everyone that we truly get a sense of who you call us to be help us make our lives count for the kingdom in jesus name amen i was reading a a phrase from a guy called juan martinez and he said this if i could offer advice to any family today it would be stick by your faith Know that your God is with you and will take care of you all the way through, which is so true. And so we want to make our lives count, I believe, not just for now, but for all time. And as this new series starts and we think about the final part of Matthew's gospel, we get a chance to see that Jesus speaks directly into the lives of the disciples and indeed into our lives today. There'll be things that should challenge us, things that should make us stop and think, things that should, we shouldn't just brush over too quickly. And often we can do that. We can just zoom through it and think, oh, it doesn't really matter. It does. There'll be highs and lows as you go through this. I had an experience of that yesterday. I have a young colleague called Joe. Thank you, Joe, so much for that. I'll get excited. I'll feel down. I'll feel tired. I'll feel up. All those things we should expect. And we should really feel the weight of what's being said. Let's be honest, I've missed absolutely everything about everything this year. I've missed everyone. I've missed gathering, singing. Uh, I've just, when Shane was leading the service this morning, I missed just being able to turn around to a, someone behind me and say, why don't you say hello to someone next to you? you? Remember those days? We used to stop and say hello to each other. You remember the days we used to even get up out of our seats and walk around? May it be we get back somehow to that day soon. But it's certainly been a long year. Normally, even today, we'd be getting ready for our annual combined service where hundreds gather. As you and I know, that's not going to happen either. Um, And yet, as we speak, as we gather, we want to make, I think we still want to make our lives make a difference and make our lives count Jesus said, as we echoed this last year in Matthew 16, verse 18, that he would build his church. He's still building his church even through this season. It's his church after all. He knows what he's doing. We may not see with the same clarity that he does, but it's his church. He's building it. And as we go through Matthew, starting at 18, which I look at uh, today, right to the end of that great call in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, we all know it. I encourage you to read ahead. I don't want you to just wait till we get to this moment on a Sunday you've got plenty of time throughout the weeks to read ahead 10 chapters but chapter 18 it's this as he speaks this preparation for the community of believers he's very keen about that as you get to Matthew 19 and 20 you'll see the his priorities as the king fantastic and by the time you get to 21 and 23 his last week prior to the cross you'd probably guess he has things he wants to say And he does because the presence of the king, wow, he speaks directly to all those around him, especially religious leaders. And then by the time you get to Matthew 24 and 25, you actually see the predictions of what's going to happen. And of course, we all know what happens from 26 on, the suffering, the death, the resurrection, and the Great Commission. 
So much is to be covered. So as we seek to make our lives count, with all that I've seen this year, with all I've learnt over some 30 years of ministry, not being able to predict the future, not being able to predict the challenges that await us all and this church and Fig Tree and future leaders and all those things, let me just say one thing to you to quote from a particular a movie I really love. There is no going back to Kansas. For those who might like the original Wizard of Oz. There's no going back. There's no finding some yellow brick road. No matter who's in charge. No matter what you're doing. Oh we just have to find it because it's paved with gold and all things will just be perfect. There's some hard work to do. There's some things to think about as we head into the future. You know it, you may not confess it, I am wanting you to know that. When we finally get back to doing what we do, it'll be different. You're wondering, wonder who's going to come back? Who's here? Who's not here? Where are they? There's all sorts of things we're going to experience and you have to be prepared for that. And finally, before we jump in, understand this key thing. Chapter 18 comes before chapter 28. There's a tip for those doing maths in the HSC. I just thought I'd help you out, Ethan. And chapter 28 is the final what to do, the Great Commission. But before we get to that, Jesus tells his church, he tells his people from Matthew on what you are to be, who we are to be. Because it's so important, we need to know who we are before he tells us what to do. And sometimes we might want to focus on the what to do. And I know as a pragmatist and uh, for who I, how God has wired me up, I just, let's just do something. Understand who you are in the doing of it. Earlier on this year, I asked a question uh, way back in January. How will God use us to play a role in the building and expansion of his kingdom? Well, we get to test that out over the coming months and years. How is God using us? And always remember this issue of humility. It never goes away and that's captured in the first uh, one uh, to four verses in Matthew 18 humility be like them don't be a child but be like little children and, and this task for Jesus to speak directly to his disciples it's so encouraging it's so stirring it's so heartwarming that he that we matter so much to him that the kingdom of God matters so much, that his community of God's people matters so much. This gathered community of different people who make us who we are, it matters. Bonhoeffer, a great Christian from many years ago, made the point that community must mean that we relate to one another in and through Jesus. That, that's the connection we all have. Uh, and these certainly have been different days that we're living in. I also quoted way back in January from the Australian newspaper, Bernard Salt, a demographer. And just try to pitch yourself back in January for a moment without knowing what's to come. And he said this, I wonder whether in my history of the future it will be possible to show that there's been a shift in the way Australians see the next decade. I think we've gone from seeing the future through a lens of unfailing optimism, perhaps to the point of naivety, to a weirdly religious perspective that any almighty judgment day awaits us or lest we repent of our wicked ways. It's funny he's saying this back to me. It's funny he's saying back in January, looking at the next decade, thinking there's something happening. Within what? From that day, five, six weeks, something certainly did happen. You know, being a disciple of Christ 
is walking humbly with our Lord and doing all he says, which we've learnt from uh, previous years, which we've learnt from earlier chapters in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 5, love your... You're supposed to respond, enemy, that's okay, I know you can't. Uh, Pray for those who persecute you. Uh, Forgive those who love you. No, forgive those who offend you. All these things we pick up along the way. Uh, And truly, if you have chapter 18 before you, I hope you brought your Bibles along, this is called the Bible. Um, If you've got your iPhone, iPad, whatever, even if you scan through Matthew 18, I'm stunned at how over so many decades now of being a Christ follower, there's so many bits just just jump out from Matthew 18. You know, verse 3 of Matthew, Matthew 18, unless you change and become like little children. Verse 6, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, if your hand or foot causes you, all these things over the years I've just heard people talk about. Uh, verse 10, see that you do not look down on one of these little ones. Uh, what do you think if a man loses a sheep? Verse 15, if your brother or sister sins against you. And what about forgiveness? All these things over so many years in Matthew 18 just jump out. I've heard people take bits off, but it's all there in one chapter. Uh, it's, it's truly important for us to grab hold of the reality that we're called to be different, especially at moments we don't feel like it. And that's the key difference. Compared to the world we live in, there are things that push us, prod us, stir us, break our hearts, and we as God's people are called to respond in a certain way, and that's the test. And that's certainly the test that others place on us and watch to see how our transforming life truly has been transformed by the Redeemer, by Christ. You know, it's that whole issue... uh, Show me more about, I'd listen more about your redeemer if I saw your your redeemed life. And so what follows? Kindness is always going to be there. Kindness to each other, kindness to others. Grace, joy. I hope you've been full of joy in 2020. Things get to us. You know, I still can remember way back, the year was 1974, finishing something called sixth form for those who were born back then, and the HSC finishing. And it's like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. A joy to be had because something was over. Uh, And many people can feel that when something's done. But what about joy in times like this? You see, gospel proclamation allows us to speak of hope as well to others. Think about how we're to do that. Can I quote again from The Wizard of Oz? I wonder how many of you can remember uh, young Dorothy and who she came in contact with. Who she came in contact with first, any of you remember? I'm giving you a moment to think. I know you're not going to call it the scarecrow. What did the scarecrow need? A brain. Is that right? Then the tin man. What was he missing? Heart. The lion. What did the lion need? I tell you what, you want to know what the future church looks like? We're going to need brains, heart and courage. Make no mistake about that as we walk down whatever road God gives us.
Think about how Christ calls us to be different. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child. Where are my grandkids? Ben, go and get them so I can grab them out now. A little child even placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will what? Never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's like an illustration that doesn't really need any further comment. We get it. You know, maybe Jesus was fascinated that his disciples, after, don't forget the end of uh, Matthew 17, Jesus had actually just d- declared what's going to happen to him, you know, crucifixion, etc. And it's like the disciples didn't really hang on to that too much. They quickly moved to the next thing. Hang on, Jesus. Uh, who's the greatest? It wasn't really an example of humility. Uh, And yet he's calling us to be humble like little children in that sense. Kingdom status is the opposite of worldly status. You know, worldly status puffed up. Let me tell you how great I am. Let me show you how great I am. No, it's not like It's embracing the weak. It's embracing the little ones. It's embracing those who are humble. And of course, we know because Jesus affirms this later on in Matthew 18, as Pip read to us, as you embrace them, you also embrace Jesus. That's the key thing. And if you reject them, guess what? You reject Jesus. And what's at stake? Do you really understand what's at stake? Whether you enter the kingdom of heaven or not. That's pretty serious. That, that's pretty major stuff when you think of life and eternity in the future. And I've spoken to many people, one of the great things about COVID is the random conversations that happens with anyone, anywhere about life. It's not as if you have to try to prepare a conversation. It just happens because everyone's feeling something's going on. And you can check out Mark 9 for the same story or Luke 9 for the same moment in time with this conversation. You know, humility and walking with humility is someone who's not concerned for social status. And it's this type of humility that comes with childlike trust. And that's the person who becomes great in the kingdom. And isn't it? It's such a radical change to how we see the world operate. And the kingdom status is a reversal of worldly status. You know, when you think of who's great, who tweets the most, who thinks highly of themselves, I know your minds have gone to someone, let's just say an American president. It's like, well, Jesus, tell me, who's, who's the biggest, the best, the greatest to this little child? No expectations. Act differently. It's not as if you're saying, isn't it great that all children are perfect and innocent and pure? I mean, I know my grandkids have never made a mistake and my children were perfect perfection personified. But of course you'd be lying through your teeth to say that. It's not as if he's saying, well, just... But he's saying there's an innocence, which is why it's so heartbreaking when you see little children damaged at all and especially in church life. They're so in it, they trust so profoundly. And it should break our hearts, and thank you for that song. There should be things that break our hearts throughout this season and in the future. You know, the disciples clearly were arguing about who was greatest. Mum was involved. Which of, them, of course, Jesus hears that. You can check that out in Luke 9. Jesus knows what they're saying. Of course, he's omnipotent. Of course, he knows what they're saying and what they're thinking. 
And so it's important we understand how we live this life humbly. Who are the greatest? Those who walk with a sense of, I'm not the greatest. I'm not always right. There's a definition of humility. I'm right sometimes, but not all the time. Do you know anyone like that? They're right all the time? If only you could see them nodding on the screen. But we know people like that. Don't look to the person next to you in church. And if you're at home in your lounge room, don't turn your head to your husband or wife or kids. We are right sometimes, aren't we? Yes. But I've never known anyone who was right all the time except Jesus. So we need to acknowledge that and walk in that way. And the push to be great, it's always on display from outside and from inside. We can even feel it internally. Who's the greatest? Who's the best? Who's the best singer? Who's the best drummer? Who's the best guitarist? You know, it's funny we have, uh, it's not funny, but we have these two wonderful co-youth pastors. First time in ministry I've worked with two co-youth pastors. And, and sometimes they go and stand by the office door to listen in. They don't know I do this, even though one of them's here now. And I think, what are they saying? I've never so far heard them argue. So who's the best? Who do they think is the best youth pastor and leader and speaker and... No, they're very humble. As a church, brothers and sisters, you should be eternally thankful for Josh and Ruth. As you should be with many others. But they're doing all things. But you don't hear that. Because that'd be weird, wouldn't it? Would that be weird? I think it'd be weird. Shane thinks it'd be weird. He's the only one who'd respond. It would be weird. Pride. I really know how good I am. If only others realise that. What? doesn't work like that and maybe deep down you can sort of hide that thought but others know what you're thinking they see it in your eyes they know here so be like little children walk humbly and again he pushes it further don't hinder them be open to them and be open to others because what he does he moves from the self-reflection in those early verses to how do we treat others now with this whole thought unless you become like a child, protect the children, be disciples as a child, forgive as a child, understand there is a bigger God. Um, online services, fantastic. Greg, Jacob, wow, they've done a great job, haven't they? Yes is the response. Zoom, who doesn't look forward to the next Zoom meeting? Wow, brilliant. Oh, it's a shell of the real thing. You know that, don't you? Nothing is ever going to replace the flesh and blood getting together, meeting as God's people. And I felt that yesterday with the meeting we had. Um, We need each other. I need you. You ready? You need me. We need each other. You know that. Wow, we've been so blessed because of lots of things, but boy, I can't wait to get back together. And we must never hinder anyone who walks with a certain spirit and a spirit of humility. Verse 5, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Isn't that true? If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, now take the seriousness of this. It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come. But woe to that person through whom they come. You know, we're moving from 
us to how we receive others, how we treat others, how we welcome others, how we welcome them in Jesus' name. You know, and yes, the rejection of little ones, the rejection of those who might be weak or humble can lead them astray. They can move to other things. But more seriously, it's a rejection of Jesus. Don't reject Jesus. Those watching online, don't reject Jesus. If you've not accepted him, then do so. Because he has not rejected you. Again, you can compare Mark 9, Luke 17 to look at that. You know, Jesus is saying this punishment of being thrown into the sea is like, it's an act of mercy compared to what is to come. Wow. Wow. to, to reject those little ones, to have that arrogance that I know better, that I'm bigger, you're smaller, I'm stronger, you're weaker. No, don't do that. His point is in verse 8 and 9, you can see it in your own Bible. Avoiding hell is worth any price. And you know as I read from verse 8 to 9, you're not to take it literally. But let's read it anyhow. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better. Because you're sitting there thinking, is it really better? Jesus says it's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Well, you know, here this image is shifting from to the seriousness of not walking in a, with a certain posture, not walking humbly, not understanding how we receive others in Jesus' name. And there is opposition, but do anything to avoid being thrown to the fires of hell. You know, I suppose we'd say in this generation there are consequences, aren't there, to our actions. There's consequences to our eternal sin. There's consequences to how we live Jesus wants us to get that strongly before the instruction comes later on do not ever ignore what is going on inside it's funny looking at people today with the masks on good on you for wearing masks can't see your faces I can see your eyes the eyes of the window to the soul I wonder what's going on truly inside They don't respond, that's a rhetorical question. What sin are you currently active in? And because you're looking at me over your mask wondering, well Ian, what about you? What sin is currently going on in your eyes life right now? There's always stuff. There's always relational stuff, attitude stuff. Our house in Sydney is on the market. I think if we receive about $8 million for it, we'll be fine. Is that a sin? Oh, no, no, it seems most sensible at all. What's the issue? I, I can sin any given moment or any given day at any given point in time just like that. And so can you. Don't ever underestimate what's going on inside. Do all you can to avoid the eternal condemnation. Uh, John Piper wouldn't surprise you, him saying this, if we don't reverence God as holy in our private lives, we're on a perilous path that leads to destruction. 
That would be why in days gone by or in decades gone by, people who are passionate for gospel proclamation would dare ask the question, what if you were to die today? Now, most of us might think that's such an inappropriate question to ask, and I still think, given the year, it's probably the best question to ask because no one knows, as we've always known, what comes tomorrow. You know, and so Jesus' point is extreme danger calls for extreme measure. And we've got to share that with each other. We've got to share that with our families, our neighbours, our friends. In the secret places in our hearts, don't tolerate sin. Don't tolerate sin. Don't, and how do you know you're sinning? Hmm. Ask, if you live in a household, ask them, they'll tell you. But prayerlessness, that'd be an example. You're not bringing things before God. You just think he's not interested, he doesn't know, he knows. Maybe, maybe tolerating a lack of urgency over lost souls, thinking it's someone else's job. We've got Langdon anyhow. I just send everyone to Langdon. Come on, how, how come you haven't shared the gospel with them by now? Prayerlessness, no longer concerned for those who are far from God. That's an indication of something, isn't it? Yes. It's an indication maybe there's something wrong internally. Deal with that. The consequences are severe. And then finally, Jesus thinking about, as he thinks about the humility and not hindering children, he comes up as we do. As we know this so much probably from Luke 15, but then the last four verses of Matthew 10 to 14 from chapter 8, and he wants them brought home, doesn't he? Bring those lost ones home. Uh, it's an interesting way. He says it in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look after for that one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. Now, the future is before us, me, you, in so many ways. But our heart for those who are far from God must be absolutely firm and strong and this church has been shaped by that for decades and it should never lose that heart kingdom members we know if you go back to Matthew 5 we're poor in spirit if you just read through the Beatitudes again you'll get a sense of that we are concerned for others that shapes us um, think about the legacy that Jesus wants to leave in this last part of his journey before he goes to the cross. And it's a legacy for churches and God's people to be concerned for others who are far from God. You know, his kingdom, his church, his people, brothers and sisters, go after them. And you're going to have that time, you know, I'm sure in 2021, as you try to finally work out who's here and who's not here, there'll be people to go after because you will not know their spiritual condition. God cares for each believer. He cares for the weakest amongst us. Humility, what does that mean? Treating others like the little ones. Going after the one. 
And maybe if you're part of the 99, you might think, look, it's okay, I'm part of the 99. They're only sheep after all. There's plenty more. (laughs) Wow, our Father in heaven is so different. Seeking to restore a brother or sister in sin, Matthew 18. Forgiveness, to forgive one another. Wow, that is so powerful. More powerful this year. You know, you might, if you check out Matthew 18 later on, you can get to see the story of the unmerciful servant. Oh. And what about if we jump to Matthew 19, when Jesus talks about divorce? Who amongst us doesn't need more humility when it comes to relationships? Who amongst us doesn't need more humility who are married? I better put my hand up because I tell you what, after being blessed for nearly 40 years, I need more humility now than ever before, I think. We all need a bigger dose. We all need to have a greater concern for each other and a greater concern for those who are far from God. We need to bring them home. Look, in the last few weeks, I think about things and my thoughts have wandered from one thing to another. That's true. Um, And yet my strong desire after nearly 30 years in this ministry journey is to make sure this church has a heart for those who are far from God. That's going to sharpen it for the future. And as I think about this passage and what God is saying and the words of Jesus, I must confess there's a song that might not surprise you. Um, some of you might love Lamies. I don't know. Some of you might have seen it. Some of you might have seen the uh, the movie. There's a particular song in Lamies called "Bring It Home." And as I read this part of Matthew's Gospel, I can picture my favourite singer of that song is actually a guy called Josh Groban. Uh, and you can go and check Josh Groban out today on YouTube to hear him sing it. Millions have. What I appreciate about Josh singing, bring it home, let alone the lyrics, God on high, I'm not going to sing, just to stay calm. Hear my prayer, in my need, you've always been there. He is young, he's afraid. Let him rest, heaven blessed, bring him home. And I know it's a particular song about a moment in time. But as I watch Josh's face and his eyes and the emotion he has in the song, I picture Jesus saying, brothers and sisters, you've got to have that same... Heart. You're going to have that same emotion for those who are far from God. Bring him home. Don't, don't let him wander. Don't let him die. It's a wonderful moment in time, of course. It feels like a lifetime and if could go to anything at all, like a play or something like that. Like God, a true shepherd of God will search for the straying sheep. We know that everybody is a somebody to Jesus. So brothers and sisters, as we start this journey... The end of my journey, it's a new season for others. I want you to make the most of who you are. And as the band comes up to help us uh, wrap this up with some great songs, don't get caught up in arguing about who is the greatest. Don't be humble, walk humbly. Value each other. Value those who are far from God. Value your relationship with God. Take seriously his challenges that are there in Matthew 18. The kingdom of God is made up of all sorts of people, shapes and sizes. You know, and by the way, my guess is if you truly are great, you really don't need to bring attention to yourself. Just, you don't have to. You don't have to brag. You don't have to walk around with neon signs. You don't have to think you're better than anyone else. Be humble. Walk humbly. It matters who you are. It matters how you walk. And it matters who you believe in. So go after the lost.
care for each other. Wow, some great stories about life groups. You've realized, I've realized this year, while we might talk about pastoral care and all those things, it makes a profound difference how we care for others. It truly does. Be kind, be forgiving. You know, what's the church of the future going to need? Brains, heart, and courage. Might be so, full fig tree. Amen.